Podcast Maximus, the review podcast that takes creators to task where they make rookie mistakes, even when we don't have a leg to stand on. And joining me, Stuart Webb, are my ever-loyal crew, just fished out of a tank full of ravenous, fan-eating TFW members, it's Marion! Hi! And just sort of sitting there quietly, not saying much, bit of a, a forgotten toy, but guaranteed to survive to the end of his arc. It's Tom. Ah, I'm going. I'm very pleased to to be blessed with survival. And ha- are we all good? We are. We we haven't done this in a while. I know. But last time I was doing it without you two, and uh, I have learned my podcast hubris mistake there, and I I need for the two of you. So I I'm going to let. You do your podcast thing now. <laughs> so, thank you, Stuart. But we, I think we really enjoyed your your podcast without us. I hate to say. Between us, Stuart, we we just we concluded that you blossomed. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I'm now the only person to have been on every episode of this podcast. What a beautiful thing that is! Oh am, wow! I am the villa of Blake Seven. <laughs> oh, does that mean we get to kick you up for the next one? Just to you know, balance things out. We can get a special guest in next time. You're not the only one who gets our special guests. Woo. Well, I think uh, we are in the spirit of a mutiny now, which is very appropriate for today's episode, as we all turn upon one another. Because what is our subject for today, Tom? Mutiny! Ooh. Oh, boy. You know, have uh, either of you two ever seen a mutiny up close? Yes, I can tell you some stories about work after the... Uh, after a recording is finished. Oh, you work for one of the many international retail chains? Uh, I work for a bunch of pirates. So. Oh. <laughs> uh, Marion, uh, if you were on a crew and you started disagreeing with the direction that the captain was taking you in, what, what steps would you take? I would, uh, I would voice my disagreement and then I would kill them probably. The captain? Yeah, you know, would you become the captain? Just cut to the chase. No, I, I'm not fond of leadership. I would find somebody else to be a captain and then I would just make them do what I wanted. A patsy captain? Mm. Good, good, good. You okay? So we're going to be talking about the Mutineers trilogy from Lost Light. Which issue numbers of Lost Light were they, Stuart? Uh, they are, of course, Tom, as everybody knows. I don't even know why you're asking me this, because obviously we all know this. It's issues uh, 10 to 12. A perfectly correct answer. Is this is this a quiz? <laughs> <laughs> Everything's a quiz. <laughs> Marion, which one is Hotspot? Oh, no, the blue one. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> um, so, it starts off with... The protective bots, and uh, we all know and love the protective bots as completely separate characters who don't all merge into one sort of blue blob in our heads. Um, and and first aid, that guy. Um, and, and the other blue one. First aid is not the blue one, is he? <laughs> no, no, bloody hell! You have to. I wasn't even referring to Hotspot at that point. I was thinking of Mirage, <laughs> but yes. <laughs> of course, uh, First Aid is especially famous because he had an episode of a cartoon that was all about how defence could put work perfectly well with one limb missing, how he could still run about and uh, grab things and have a bit of a fight well, with, good. Without, it's, without one of his limbs. That's, that's it's one good of, to have sort of these differently able. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, we shouldn't. Yeah, we shouldn't assume that Defensor can do less just because he's differently able. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah. But, uh, but I have some questions about the protective bots that you two cannily wired up people might know the answers to. Mm-hmm. How long uh, would you say it's been since Combiner Wars for them? Um, hmm. Now, that's both of you. If it, just jump right in, whoever knows. Sometime? So, when, when did they leave? The Lost Light. Uh, around what issue was it? Oh, it. What, this really is a quiz. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, it was after Ratchet left, which was around issue 40-ish, wasn't it? Sounds uh, mm. about right. So it's at some point between issue 40 and issue 50. So, so it hasn't been that long, has it? Not, not in fiction, no. I don't think. Mm. So I was talking about how well they actually know Rook. Because... Uh, there is that joke where they don't seem to care that he's died later. Not to spoil the comic, everyone, but there is that joke later on where they don't seem that bothered that he's dead. So I was trying to work out, have they spent months with him on this ship so they should have bonded? Or is he just that guy who they've known for a couple of weeks, who is so inconsequential, they, the artist didn't even bother to draw him into the original version of his debut issue? I thought he wasn't even on The Lost Light originally. No, but they better goodbye the wars. Yeah, didn't they meet when they went to start so, 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 how well they would know each other now after has it been long enough for it to become Oh out? okay. Is he a stranger or Well first aid says that he barely got a chance to speak to him, so I guess that answers that question. <laughs> so they've just had a quick trip, it's like down to the shops and back to get back to Cybertron. <laughs> Pretty much. Okay. Oh yeah, I can I can buy that. Okay. So, so they went out for some cigarettes, they came back, and everything's gone to hell. Hmm. And they're a bit confused about it all, aren't they? And first date is all, I, I am not sure about this state of affairs. Hmm. He, he does say he likes Getaway, though, initially. Because uh, Getaway, to start with, is quite a charming guy. He will trick you with his cunning and clever words. And that sort of falls apart a bit as, as this storyline goes on. Um, yeah, as we actually see his deeds rather than his words, for mm-hmm. sure. It feels like months have gone by, you know, just from the from their reactions from that. But yeah, I, I can't really think of a way for that to mash up. But I can barely remember Combiner Wars, so I don't. I, I'm not too bothered by any of that. Uh, one, one thing I thought uh, that just occurred to me when I was rereading it for this review, uh, that I may be possibly the only person to make this comparison, the, the opening shuttle crash felt very like a scene from Star Trek V, where the, uh, they have to get the shuttle back into the ship after a mutiny has happened. Uh, Captain Kirk has been usurped by a messianic crazy man who's trying to who's convinced the crew by altering their memories to help him find heaven so I was, I was trying to work out that might be an intentional little homage to that gloriously bad model sequence from Star Trek 5 when it crashes into the shuttle bay oh that is all a bit yeah okay it's got some some things see I, yeah I was, I was genuinely surprised that um, the fanaticism was uh, on point. I know it's all motivated by. We'll we'll get to. We'll talk to get. We'll talk about getaway a little bit later on. Uh, a little bit. The <laughs> <laughs> also other thing I noticed is uh, in the opening, that cruel, cruel man James Roberts has uh, one of the protective bots, and we all know which which one it was. I don't need to say which. Uh, making a joke about Mirage being dead. Going, I like me Mirage. You died as you lived, which uh, is a. Sneaky little bit of foreshadowing there for me. Sort of in the background, but uh, weirdly liked. Um, okay, yes, I didn't spot that the first time round. Didn't know that was a pronouncement. Marion, did you pick up any any interesting tidbits on the reread? Um, I picked up on a few things. Yeah, I mean, perhaps not quite as interesting. I should say, I mean, I, I love this issue so much. It was brilliant. Um, and it came together very nicely in the end uh, and on reread you can see the little details such as you can't see Blades' shoulder in the opening page ah. he's, he's obscured by Mirage so you can't tell at what point um, the, the fake memories blend in with the real ones so the opening could genuinely be what happened as they arrived, which I thought was uh, was pretty nicely done. Because obviously, you know, when they actually open the 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 spaceship door and you know that loop kicks in, you can tell that that's all fake. But uh, it was uh, on first read, I couldn't quite tell at what point the blending happened. 
I thought it was a very good issue for um, first aid overall. Oh yeah, another bit I picked up when uh, Getaway uh, goes to get him uh, from the med bay. They are walking towards um, the bar and Getaway stops in front of the oil uh, reservoir and says, I'm going to open up to you. Can I trust you? And of course, the significance of where he stopped and why he stopped there doesn't become clear till a couple of issues later. That, that was a nice touch as well. Yeah, it makes it much more sinister in retrospect. He's, he's just about to chuck him in there. Yeah. It's a, a very well-constructed issue where if he turns out worse in his self-contained way and how it feeds into, into the free part as a whole, uh, I think James is on some very fine form structurally here it all works i mean i didn't quite click until we reading it this week about how the loop at the end feeds back into the loop of sars uh which i mean how much of what we see really happened becomes a question there yeah it's something they reference later on they, when they wake up they're still they you know they, they can't really trust whether they're um <laughs> whether or not they're still in the loop um, it was really cute that um, you get to see First Aid's mouth for quite some time as well when he's at the bar. Um, oh, yeah. I didn't even pick up on it till the second time. He just Running looks theme. weird, yeah. Uh, here's a question for, for the two of you. The first time you read this, uh, when everybody is claiming that Rodimus and company just went away and nobody is missing seriously... Did you think they were deliberately lying as part of some conspiracy or that uh, yeah. Getaway had done a thing? Yeah, no, it uh, it looked at that point, uh, it looked like they were rehearsing, in fact, because um, someone corrects somebody else. Someone corrects Aaron um, says, um, deserting, that's the word that Rodimus used. And it almost felt like they were going through their lines. Um but uh, yeah, now you know that there's actually a bit more to it than that because it sounds pretty, uh, you know, it's nasty. Uh, if you, if you're not aware of what's actually going on, um, it's pretty cruel. Um, there is another bit that really caught my eye as well when Mainframe is talking to First Aid about what's happened. He's talking about Will. There's the the joke there about the Will thought Will was frustrated that we weren't making progress. Uh, but at that point, Mainframe does an impression of Will's hands for claws. Uh, he's mocking him, basically. And I thought, oh, God, that's 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 oh. a pretty nasty thing to do. So I guess, I guess um, Mainframe's probably in the loop as well. Well, it's hard to tell. I think everybody's memory's been wiped the same amount, right? Uh, except okay. except for atomizers, so he remembers some. He, they remember how they got there, but they don't remember what happened since after the message. Right? I think that's mm. the bit that's been wiped, so they can still live in ignorance to the fate of everybody else. Okay. I uh, see. I, I I took that first um, time around. I took that whole scene as um, yeah. They were they had been. Um, that they weren't lying, that they, this is just the, how the story got through. Mm. Uh, and that maybe to the rank of file, this is, this is what it would look like. Um, but I'd forgotten that how many people were on the bridge back then. Mm. Uh, so yeah, okay, it, it, yeah, it seemed, it seemed legit. Oh, I did wonder uh, when they have the meeting in uh, Swerves and uh, they get asked uh, whether they'd had words a lot of them say, no, nobody spoke to me. Uh, in fact, all the protector bots, except for first aid, I wonder if that means that Getaway never got around to asking them or whether all of them said that they would back Rodimus and then uh, he wiped their memory. It seems unclear. Mm. Uh, I'm presuming if first aid remembers that he must have agreed with Getaway originally. He, does, he says so. He's, he actually says, I regret what I said. Oh, yeah. Cause yeah, because yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it, it's in character for first aid there to get frustrated, and he's already said that he's uh, yeah, he likes getaway. Um, yeah, okay, yeah, he would have been would have been a mutineer. Mm. Um, it's very well done, isn't it? Everybody's limits. 
um, and where everybody stands uh, and what everyone's breaking point is and uh, what's, um, what breaks the contract for them. Mm. Uh, so everybody seems to have a, a, a very different point of view on why they're doing this, uh, what's okay, what's acceptable, what isn't, um, and what they want to get out of it. And uh, I found this complexity um, added a lot to the story. Yeah, it's hard not to see uh, a lot of parallels there of um, just living through 2017. Oh, you have to remind us about that, didn't you, Tom? Oh, there was, there was this year. <laughs> there could be some current political references in these three issues somewhere, Tom. Oh, yes. How does one feel about the uh, uh, the catchphrases? He's a catchphrase machine. Getaway is he's keeping up rest of a new some earth so he can drop these little boaty McBoat face style references <laughs> in. That was but nobody else would get the first time I found that funny ever. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you think Riptide was created simply so that reference could be made? <laughs> I think he was created before that idea even existed. So unless James has played a really long game planting the ideas. <laughs> he voted for that, that, that damn boat for a minute. <laughs> again and again and again. Oh. But um, uh, are, are the people on board the ship, uh, how, how do we feel about Riptide in this issue? I mean, did you think... Uh, uh, what, what was you... Do you think of his motivation for seems to change his mind at the point where we didn't know whether he... Mind controls being used on the others because he, he'd always seemed like one of the more keen getaway boys, hasn't he? Um, hmm, yeah, what is his, yeah, what is his motivation for, for mutiny? I guess just a force of personality. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, if we see this as a sort of political analogue. There's people who are misled and there's people who just had bad ideas. I suppose that's the point being made, is it? I think um, the way I'm reading him, it was for him, it was just get rid of Megatron. I don't think he had any ulterior motives like some of the other characters seem to do. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he took it all out its word that it would be as described, it would be the Galactic Council who'd go to prison mm. and, uh, and uh, be executed. Okay. Yes, that yeah, that's perfectly consistent with yeah, with with Riptide being his 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 thinking is and I'm, I don't mean this in any complicated way, it's pretty straightforward. Yes. Yeah, okay. I mean, to be fair to Riptide, in what one of the bits I didn't quite understand, he is later able to wake up six or is it five uh, people from an artificially induced hallucination mm. which I'm not sure how he knew how to do that to be honest uh, he's, he's got more going on than you think clearly <laughs> yeah well he's kind of sick of being underestimated isn't he <laughs> so to, at what point uh, would you say you guess or did you guess uh, what the end of the issue was going to be because as soon as they started talking about re recursive memories and uh, loops I thought oh okay that's what's going to happen at the end of this issue then uh, the minute Blades got shot, that's when it clicked for me. Uh, no, I got carried through all the way to the end. And, you know... You didn't even notice for pages were painted. You were just like... Uh, no, I was like, oh, it's really strange. That's a yeah. long issue. I feel some redundancy in this, in this <laughs> in the story. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, I, I got it at the punchline. So I think, like, you know, uh, Stuart, you're a lot more genre-savvy than I, but uh, I guess I've been conditioned that, um, you know, something like a memory loop concept can be brought up in issue like six and only <laughs> come up in issue 60. So it's like, oh, okay, yeah, I guess that's in it now. Um, without, yeah, I didn't see that as a Chekhov's gun, I didn't see that as something that needs to be established so that this happens. I would not presume this was uh, very much influenced by uh, the episode of Doctor Who from a couple of years ago where Peter Capaldi spends the entire episode punching a wall over and over again because he's in a, uh, a, a trapped loop as well where he goes through it time after time. 
It's a better episode than that makes it sound. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's just 42 minutes. Takes him four million years to punch a wall out. The same footage. <laughs> Pretty avant-garde, man. I like the way they, they like the way they do things. Um, yeah, I haven't seen it, but um, I, I expect expect you're not the only person who's seen that, Stuart. Uh, Mirage had a really good moment. Well, Mirage has a couple of really good moments. I love that Don't Touch Me at the beginning. Uh, and then I love the uh, invisibility trick with a glass. <laughs> he just smashes the glass on his face, bump that. Yeah, <laughs> that was beautiful. <laughs> there's a real effort to make you care about Mirage. It's like, we're going to kill Mirage, we've got to make you care about Mirage. Uh, that's as opposed to Rook, who, as I was saying to you two before, the podcast started. Poor old Rook, if it's a tar three parter, if you're being really generous, get six lines of dialogue. Uh, which in total in his entire time of your IDW Transformers universe, I think brings up his total number of lines of dialogue to about seven. <laughs> <laughs> which makes a reaction to what happened later seem a bit strange. As people are like, you can't kill Rook, I love Rook. Rook's the best. I was like, happy isn't. <laughs> in fact, it, it very much reads like um, somebody told the writer of this fine book, here is another character you have to take back with you. And they went, what am I supposed to do with this guy? Oh, I know, I'll just kill him on the first issue back. To be fair to James, there's like three characters who were killed here. There's like the old toy nobody working at Hasbro and IDW gave a toss about who they don't have to promote anymore so they can kill him uh, there's a proper fan favourite Mirage and there's the author created character in Atomizer so we see a variety of deaths at least he's not just going oh god I but then, oh, actually, I suppose <laughs> Mirage though uh, is, that seems part of a repression of Combiner Wars because of course Mirage is a Combiner oh yes I couldn't remember what he transformed. He was part of the big, like Optimus Sunstreak, uh, that monstrosity thing, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. So he yeah. could have. I mean, really, it would have made no difference to the end of this issue if Getaway just hadn't known that Mirage could combine as well, and Defensor had fallen with Mirage as a leg. It would have made almost no difference. In fact, they go out of their way to bring back poor old Amulon. <laughs> Sorry, combine wars definitely never happened. I've killed Rook. Well, we've said Mirage, definitely can't combine. I cross it out. I deny that story. Maybe you just didn't want to. You know, uh, here it's, it's it's kind of a strange and uh, traumatic experience. Maybe everyone respected his wishes. Oh, well, you know, we can't... Are you talking about reading Combiner Wars or Mirage's <laughs> point of view? Yeah, maybe you just didn't want to mind meld with Rook, who's some sort of pervert. I really liked the bit with the uh, life cords. Because on first read, they really threw me. Like, I spent a lot of time trying to figure out what they were, why they were, what the hell are teeth marks? You know, it, it, it just didn't fit. So I had to wait for the next issue. However, we did say that the whole mind loop thing just screamed of Freud and Sander. Um, so I was kind of expecting that to be linked in some way. And um, until I reread it now... I still hadn't clicked that the the teeth marks were the scraplets. I hadn't like it only clicked on secondary that that's how they were doing it. Ah, uh, yeah, the scrap the scraplets did. And I kind of feel that there was something supposed to be set up there, which never was. Something about red scraplets. Uh, I want to know why they don't eat the life cord as well. Yeah, that was a bit weird, wasn't it? It was very specific. <laughs> Is it, if they're immaculate and still usable, or? If, well, he does say they've developed sentience, so maybe that was, uh, he told them. Don't need the life code. Just leave that. We've got a deal going on. Yeah. So uh, this all, it's all, this is the kind of, it, it all feels very Brexit, doesn't it? It all feels like people are out their depth. Um, yeah, not everybody's on the level. People have been misled about getting into something which now they regret. Yeah. And yeah, this, this sort of Jenga tower of deals and concepts that uh, nobody really has any faith in. Mm, and everybody has 
not everybody, but a lot of people have genuine reasons for backing what they've backed. Uh, not necessarily appreciating all the consequences or how you get from A to B. Uh, some people seem to have other motives, more personal motives, which they would not have necessarily tried to materialize otherwise, but whilst we're in the situation may as well help ourselves kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they are all being driven by a person who is acting on very selfish uh very delusional motives yes yeah that's a good yeah and the the slow reveal of just how bitter and twisted and how he's been keeping all this to himself this festering idea of godhood um uh yeah it's pretty effective Mm. um and i guess getaway doesn't have like an actual analog in the real world in that which I think is for the betterment. If he was just like a caricature of someone, uh, I think that would sort of that would make it less interesting. Yeah, but he's like a type of person. Yes, well, the you... type of person who rises to the top very suddenly mm. in uh, in a crisis. You know, actually, what it reminds me of. Um, it reminds me of the Mike, the early Mike Costa issues where Rodimus is in that role. Mm. Where Rodimus is like taken advantage of and sort of made a fool of uh, to put to fill that power vacuum and he's flattered with an idea with the with titles mm. an idea of being the prime um and and that that yeah that struck me as pretty canny back then it reminds me of like stuff you hear about what happened in the civil war uh in bosnia and serbia where like football players and athletes sort of suddenly become warlords and uh because these are people who are trusted. Um, and I like seeing that, you know, Rodimus is now a very difficult character, but then seeing that same those sort of dynamics pull, uh, worked with it again, but I think... Um, wow, you, much, you, more, much, much more intelligently. You said something nice about, about Costa storyline there, Tom. Yeah, I genuinely like that, like that, that beat. I liked... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think Rodimus may be the only happy thing about the whole Costa run. I like the fact that you've compared um, Getaway to Rodimus, actually, because uh, I think that that's the reason why they rub each other against each other so much. Um, mm. Because uh, they are both these very charismatic personalities. They are both used to relying on that to get what they want. Um, and they are both acting to an extent for selfish reasons. Uh, obviously, there are the big differences between you know, between them um, and what Rodimus, you know, will not do and what Getaway will obviously do. Uh, but they are very similar personalities in that way. Um, so, of course, they dislike each other and that's why they both dislike uh, Thunderclash. Cause yeah. Because he's also this really charming person who is used to just um, capturing the room when he walks in. Swoon. Swoon. Indeed. Yeah, I love I loved all the stuff with Thunderclass. Yeah, I love how he's sort of maintained. Uh, I love how unsympathetic he is, but how it, all the characters are continuously being sympathetic. Like there's no there's nothing for us as readers to really care about him. <clears throat> and I love that joke. Just the more that joke is sort of worked into, the better it gets. I, I was a bit. If, if sort of second issue i did have some issues with a, a few things i mean i think i said before what i was hoping but it wouldn't turn out that everybody had been brainwashed by getaway and his nudge gun so as to remove responsibility from them but that's not quite what happens it does feel like the the second issue in particular is trying very hard to make the rest of the crew look as blameless as it possibly can so they've all thought one thing was happening and then they didn't like it when it was getting worse and then they all get brainwash uh, it's like if one of us met up with them tomorrow they'd basically all be fine with each other then because they can go well we, we were all brainwash and he'd go well fair enough let's go get get away and it's like I, I maybe prefer maybe a bit more uh, complicit in their own actions it feels a bit uh, convenient for things to get back to normal at some point possibly yeah a bit too easily 
Uh, uh, the, the, the other thing I didn't like was uh, the flip oh, wait, wait, side. Let, let, let's, oh, let's sorry, sorry. Stick down on there. I think there's discussion to be had there. Marion, do you do you agree? Do you think it was uh, everyone got off? Everyone gets off a bit too easy. No, no. Uh, they still had to get to that point. I think that there is manipulation involved. So they uh, there are circumstances. Um, and I think you would very much have to go down on a person-by-person basis to actually make judgment, but that is not going to happen. What's going to happen is an amnesty, and that's going to happen regardless. So I think, I guess, as long as characters are not crossing a line which you can't go back from, which is basically what Getaway tells uh, Atomizer he's just done by killing Rook, uh, as long as that line is there... I think they will always be able to call um, amnesty. Uh, but I don't think that they are blameless. Uh, they did get to that point, up to the mutiny. And there is so much going on around them that even with the brain manipulation, I think you would have asked questions. But I think they're not asking the questions. And there is so many of them that they could have done something by now, but they're kind of just being, you know, going along with it. Uh, because maybe, I don't know, they're fed up, they want to find some utopia, they just, you know, got to want to get on with it, they've stopped caring, you know. But they, I think there is, to an extent, a kind of willful ignorance going on then. Hmm. But then... But then, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think I, I come down more on Stuart's side here because even if there is willful ignorance, they are physically prevented from, uh, you know, through this device, being able to confront that in a, in a, on a fair playing field. Um, there are bad actors involved, but it's, it's taken to, it's taken to such a plot device level, where it doesn't feel. I, I, I really like the idea of an amnesty, and I guess that. I can imagine that being part of the next plot line. But then, yeah, it, it, it's kind of tricky. When you're in a world where there are, like, mind-manipulating guns, you've always got to, you know, why isn't someone using their mind-manipulating guns here? Um, so if, yeah, if everybody had been... If you kind of had a mutiny without... Um, or the mutiny had continued without any nudge guns and things... Um, yeah, that itself creates a problem. It's, it's, it's quite tr- quite tricky territory. Mm. Um, but yeah, I do. This it, it, it is a little disappointing to see that this situation is set up as being so irretrievable. But then there is that little escape hatch. Obviously, there's there's going to be consequences. This this isn't going to there's not going to be a a neat reset to the next episode. Uh, I'm quite interested to see those consequences. But um, yeah, the boldness of like. <laughs> scrapping uh, most of the cast of your book uh, was was quite exciting, and I guess that's not really what was ever going to happen. Of course, uh, this issue, uh, second part of the story, is also very keen to remind us with that message that Rodimus himself is entirely focused on getaway. So I don't, I don't he, he seems to have decided that nobody else is to blame as well. He's like, yeah, turn me to a big gun and shoot getaway <laughs> rather than like shoot everyone or anything like that. So he, he, he's firmly on uh, getting back with the rest of the crew, I suppose, as well. There, there, was, a subtle yeah. death, there was a subtle Death Set reference in that bit as well. I don't know if you spotted that. <laughs> yeah, very, What's very that? subtle. I like a shovel. I don't know what you mean. <laughs> but, uh, the, the other bit I wasn't too keen on, just because it felt slightly misplaced, is the, the flip side of the uh, conversation from issue 50. Because up to that point, getaways in bang on the money and manipulated people he said exactly what to say and when to say it and how to play them I think the point of no return for him is after that with Thunderclash where Thunderclash gets shot through the neck that is a point where Getaway is out of control but before that he's still the the sort of uh, smooth master manipulator and I thought in that reverse of issue 50 scene it was a bit too clunky with him saying all exactly the wrong things to suddenly turn the crew against him. He's going, yeah, and I use the nudge gun on all these people in the room with me, and they don't even remember it. I was like, why, why would you say that to them where they can hear it, you idiot? Oh, but you're saying that because that follows the very grisly scene with Thunderclash. 
No, no, see, we fund the clashes afterwards. Oh, is it? Okay. All so right. it's while he's talking to Rodimus, he gets a bit overexcited. He wants mm. to uh, rub it in his face, basically. And he forgets who's standing behind him for a moment there. Um, okay. So he says, yeah, I've just wiped all your memories. That's why you don't remember any of this. Although he's saying that uh, he's wiped the memories of the people who are on the Necroworld's planet, not the memories of the people who are behind him, I guess. Mm. Or, or even though we know that there's a good chance that he's also wiped the memories of the people behind him and then had another go at them in case they change their mind. Um, and I did find it a bit suspicious that he says that um, Santa Claus just agreed just like that. You know, I didn't even have to try. It was the easiest thing in the world. And But you don't actually see what's happened. So I thought that was interesting. Oh, yeah, the mate, that, that might just be a barefaced lie. Yeah. Ah... Hmm. I guess it. I mean, thinking of it in terms of a of of a of a parallel of an of an analog of real life events. I guess that is sort of what it feels like. You feel like you're having leaders and um, uh, influential people outright saying, you know, this is what I'm going to do and this is how I did it. This is what I've done. This is how I did it, and that was all bad. But it was good for me. It's very frustrating when you see that happen. <laughs> it's like very apartheid South Africa. Like, yep. This is how we did it. We're pretty clever, aren't we? Um, that that no longer really seems implausible. That no longer seems like plotty. That actually, yeah, that's 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 how these sorts of people behave. So talking of getaway and uh, sort of the type of person he is, I uh, I I despise getaway. Uh, but there's, there is a, a good reason why I despise Getaway. There's enough of him there to elicit that kind of emotional reaction. He's a very well-crafted character. Uh, James Roberts has really uh, paid a lot of attention to how he's constructed him. And for me, the moment where uh, Getaway clicked as a person, uh, what, like what his motives were, uh, was um, when he finally started was that scene where he's waiting for Santa Claus to turn up at the bar and uh, he refers to him as the glorified uh, sort of matrix cabinet or uh, I don't remember exactly what your word he uses there and then it all started clicking into place that ah oh, that's what this is all that's what this is um, it was the moment where up to that point you didn't quite understand Getaway's motives so a lot of people were saying, oh, he hates Megatron, blah, blah, blah. But like that never made sense to me. That was not enough motive for me. Um, there, was some, there was something very personal there that was not explained mm. by just general Megatron hatred. That was just what was being used to elicit er er emotional reactions in everybody else. But I had always assumed that it had something to do with some somebody else, like maybe Tyrest was still uh, behind the scenes somehow influencing situations, you know. That's kind of where I was going, um, and it wasn't until that point where um, I realized that, no, actually, Getaway is doing this because he fancies himself a prime, uh, and he despises mm. everybody else has had the things he's never had because he's always been an MTO and he's been born in the war and the war is finished and what's he going to do with himself now and he's always just been there to be a soldier and blah 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 but he's quite clearly a very clever person um, and capable of other things I never had the opportunity to do all those things you know all those all that kind of really clicked um, so you know well done to James for building up that way uh, but I also especially love how Everything he says is so carefully planned, both by Getaway and by James. So, oh, let me find it again, because I thought that dialogue was just masterful. Again, it's all of that scene at the bar, uh, like after the, when he's still having the conversation with uh, Mainframe, where he says... Um, Oh yeah, Megatron has an entourage now, the usual suspects, Rodimus, blah, blah. Not that they'd recognize themselves as his allies, which is pretty much what he is doing with his people. Not that they would recognize themselves as Getaway's allies, but this is how he sees them. Mm. Um, and then yeah. that's how he operates, you see. He's a manipulator. He doesn't earn your loyalty. He steals it. 
exactly what Getaway has been doing with everybody. <laughs> so he's accusing other people of the things that he does. And that is such a typical thing of people like that. So if you think about how Trump operates and the fact that everything he says, there's a tweet about it that he's written like three years ago, accusing Obama of it. And is, it's him describing his own personality and his own tactics and what he would have done in that situation. Yeah, it feels like his entire universe is, is just like copies of himself that he's sort of raging against. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the reason why people like believe what he says is because he's, he comes from a place where he knows what he's talking about. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Uh, and yeah, this has been going on for a long time. It's just like all the way back to like Dark Cybertron, there's been seeds of this, isn't there? Yeah, all the way f um, to the rod pod. It all starts with a rod pod. Could not abide the <laughs> rod pod. <laughs> Uh, I was a bit, uh, even though I, I didn't like some of the setup y stuff, I thought uh, Getaway's gradual breakdown as he gets worse and worse, as it turns out people aren't really that into him, no matter what he does <laughs> to their minds, uh, was uh, exceptionally well done. And it, uh, not to make another pop culture analogy, but it did remind me of uh, the Mutiny arc in uh, the new Battlestar Galactica, where. Uh, Felix and uh, Zarek, amusingly enough, in Transformers terms, uh, where they took over and they do worse and worse things. It goes along as people are going, well, wait a minute, you, this isn't a good idea, is it? <laughs> they, they end up like, shooting the entire government and uh, stays in mass executions. Even though they're acting for exactly the same reason of, hey, our leaders teamed up with our enemy, that's never a good idea. We should be in charge instead. And that's enough to unify the people around them, but it's not enough to keep them on side when they're basically not nice people. Mm. But, uh, sorry to spoil Battlestar Galactica if anyone watching. It's, uh, <laughs> Lord Zarek is a bad man in it. <laughs> well, we've only spoiled one season. So, um, let's wrap things up on the Mutineers trilogy. Um, how do we feel about it in the context of Lost Light so far? To me, this is when I felt that more than it's I came back. Uh, particularly the first issue, I think, is one of the strongest issues uh, in the more than it's slash Lost Light um, saga. It does that thing which is, for me, James Roberts' greatest strength. It's self-contained, but it's very well held together. Uh, it's not isolated, um, it feeds into the greater story, um, but it, it is very powerful as a standalone issue. The trilogy, as a trilogy, um, when I first read it, I thought the last issue trailed off a bit, and partly because we also have a very odd interlude with the scavengers in there, uh, which we can maybe pick up when we discuss the, um, the current scavenger storyline. Uh, and uh, that kind of felt like it um, kind of broke it up a little bit, but now that I reread them all, all three together it actually holds together perfectly so okay thumbs up for me uh i thought it was a, a strong climax to that particular mystery of getaway and that particular storyline we haven't actually talked about uh, what happens at the end do we think they have found cyber utopia uh, oh hmm isn't cyber utopia all inside the magnificence or something um I imagine there's a trick. Mm. I, I imagine there's some connection to what's been going on in the Rod Pod. Um, that what they are... I mean, they are seeing what they expect to see. And that is that oh. we've been taught that that's... Um, that, 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 that's dangerous. Oh, well, one thing I didn't notice on this read-through is this very casual mention about how they've accidentally discovered a form of time travel as well, because they, they arrive before they left, which felt a bit conspicuous. Mm. <laughs> what that could mean in the end. But uh, could be a handy guess out to bring, to bring Rook back. If oh, I, if fine, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yes, that does feel like... It feels very nonchalant, doesn't it? <laughs> One, four seconds, uh, you know, that's just... 
it's just it's just the kind of thing people say, isn't it? <laughs> uh, I think there will be a, a, a trick. I mean, uh, God, I'm full of a, a TV and film analogies today, but uh, I've been recently watching Blake 7, and there's that moment in season two where Blake's quest is to get into the, the evil Earth government's main computer and blow it up. And when he gets in there after this long hunt for it that was killed, well, no, it's about to kill one of his colleagues. Uh, but he gets in there and it's just an empty room because it had been moved elsewhere years before and uh, the place when it had been in was just left as a trap for idiots. And I could see, <laughs> I could see that something like that happened here or get there and that he will have that moment where he realises it's not what he thinks and gets away, we'll have a complete breakdown where he collapses on the floor. <laughs> Ah, uh, I wonder what he'll do after that. Well, you know, be king of nothing. Everybody abandons him. Um, yeah, I, 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 I was very impressed by this. Um, I didn't. I did. I still feel that the the scavengers interlude felt a bit sort of airlifted in from somewhere else, um, and and kind of interrupted the last uh, issue a bit. But yeah, I did like the progression. And really liked how, yeah, kind of kind of grisly it got. The thing with Thunderclash, the thing with the scraplets, uh, and all, I think it's a really good utilization of Freud and Sunder, who I wasn't too sold on in their first appearance. But yeah, them being the literal the literal uh, devil that you deal with, I think is pretty funny. Um, and yeah, this was funny uh, it, as, with all the sort of ickiness and um, uh, political stuff to chew on. Uh, there's something very satisfying of seeing Getaway dig himself in deeper and deeper um, and, uh, you know, resort to crazier and crazier ways to keep it together. There was something quite, like, Iannucci about it in this very exaggerated um, way. Um the, I, I, I think it, it dates itself a bit with some of the political slogans, the, the strong and stable and the fake news. Um, it's, of, it's of little consequence, but I, I, the story, I think, is cleverer than just making those those, those quite on-the-nose references. But um, I, like, I like that you don't think the boating with boat fakes will date it, though. That's, that's going to be a turtle. <laughs> yeah, evergreen. Evergreen, as long as we have boats. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I, I really liked it. Art was strong throughout, um, except possibly on that on the scavengers interlude, which seemed like it was done in a hurry. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it, it, I think on our last episode, I was saying that the um, Howling Planet two-parter felt like the first episodes of Lost Light, and I kind of think that that's that is the wrong way to think of it. I think this shows that the tone. Uh, and characterization is very consistent throughout the two books, and that the lost light, one meets the eye thing is, it's looking more and more like a like an illusion at this point, thanks to these three issues. Uh, I think it might be worth mentioning only because um, I don't think everybody would appreciate what the the three political slogans we're referring to are, because two of them are very British. So I think everybody gets fake news. Uh, it's, of course, Donald Trump's favorite phase, uh, phrase. The other, which I thought was actually very well executed, uh, or very well placed, was the we've done it without a single bullet being fired. Uh, for American friends who, you know, might not, or for generally friends outside of the UK who might not be entirely familiar with what that is, uh, that was the line uh, uttered by Nigel Farage, by many people considered one of the uh, architects of Brexit, uh, right after the Brexit referendum was won, in inverted commas. Uh, of course, the reason why that phrase has become memorable is because a few weeks back, an MP had been killed, um, shot, in fact, um, by a, a Britain First extremist. And the other line that may have escaped people is uh, said by Freud, which is uh, a reference to uh, strong and stable leadership. Uh, which was the um, Conservative Party's uh, political slogan during the uh, 2017 election, I believe. 
Uh, we're living in a strong and stable world now. <laughs> oh, I feel stronger and stabler and more like genius a every day. Hold in many ways. <laughs> um, uh, a few more highlights. Star Saber. Hey, that guy. Uh, that was yeah, random. I'm uh, yeah. assuming that it'll turn out Getaway is connected to uh, Tyrese still in some way to be able to phone him up like that. How do you even know Star Saber's number? They all seem to have like personal phone numbers, don't they? Which stay consistent <laughs> over millions of years. Directory though, he would be listed. Yeah, there's a lot we don't know about Star Saber, isn't there? Because uh, yeah. he's like from he's like from ancient times. He just kind of turns up working for yeah. Uh, there's a story there. It's about the the I'm going to mangle the pronunciation now. The Ben Zoom <laughs> Ben. Benzene. 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 Benzene, sorry, I haven't yeah, got yeah. it down in front of me. Uh, Expanse, where there's uh, uh, some hint to some crazy stuff going on down there with somebody up to something. And I'm assuming yes. that turned out to be Tyrese and Farmer and whoever that tentacle was that grabbed them. Mm. Oh, that's where it's going to be raining rung tears. Um, yeah, yeah, that's very, very like, this is where the, it feels like a game, you know, where like people are talking about the location of the final the final boss like right at the beginning oh yeah. heard some things about going on far away in Mordor well sure that's not going to influence our lives <laughs> it did uh, I thought there was a bit of an implication that uh, Getaway and Star Saber had been in touch because uh, Getaway seemed to know about the Cyclonus incident which how would he have known how would he have known I can't see Cyclonus talking about maybe well well my well, he's a leaky ship, isn't he? That's true. Actually, no, he isn't. No, he would keep that to himself, wouldn't he? No, well? it's the kind of thing he would just tell the whole bar, I think. Mm, okay. It's yeah. Like tailgates have told Getaway about Cyclonus thing. Ooh. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Yes. You got it. Yeah. See? Not there for thinking. <laughs> Okay, so that was the Mutineer oh, trilogy. Do, do I not get to do my final thoughts, Tom? Oh, sorry, sorry, yeah. I didn't realise you yeah. hadn't done your final no, thoughts. Do I get to say what I thought, Tom? So what are your final well, thoughts? This is Mutiny, sir. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought it was, gen- yeah, like, like you two, I thought it was a very, very strong pre-parter. I, I did think we're like, more like Tom, but this carriage's interlude. Well, I think it would have been better even at the start of that issue as a prelude, as the end, as an epilogue. But in the middle, it kind of uh, broke up the claustrophobia, tension-building thing. Uh, but there's all sorts of other good stuff going on here. It's interesting. It rewards multiple readings. Uh, I thought Jack Lawrence's art was fine. Uh, a couple of points in the third issue where I got a bit confused. I'm not really sure how Riptide didn't get into Even if he could turn into a boat. Or at least, if it, was he supposed to not go fast in there? But then, why would it get away of sit? Because Getaway does a smart thing. He, uh, it's like in a view to a kill when it push Bond into the lake. Christopher Walken stays there long enough to make sure he's drowned. Spoiler alert, Bond doesn't drown in that scene. But he tries anyway. Uh, Getaway stays to make sure that Riptide's been eaten. But then he doesn't notice anything going on in the water. Riptide can be doing to, to not be eaten. Do they not eat boats? <laughs> I did wonder if the four minute that they gained had something to do with the time that uh, Riptide was in the in the oil. Oh, okay, that's a good idea. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, that's definitely concurrent. Okay, uh, I thought I thought I got confused as to who actually died at the end. It took James going on to Twitter and saying, "I only killed three of your favourite beloved characters, like Brooke. Don't worry, everybody else is still alive." And I, I wouldn't have told that immediately, but. Uh, uh, Thunderclash was less dead than Mirage, who died in a homage to his Generation 2 comic death, of course, getting shot in a shuttle bay. Uh, but overall, uh, I think this has been amongst uh, the best of uh, James writing. It's all that lovely intricate setup and payoff stuff he does so well that I really enjoy. And it's just, uh, it's very good stuff. And uh, I am interested to see where things will go. Me too. Me too, Stuart. Okay, so we'll be back soon. We're not gonna we're not gonna leave it too long next time. There's more to talk about. Even now we had a lovely two week gap 
just enough time to digest the, the issue 13 before we're on to issue 14. So we'll be back soon. Stuart, why don't you do some self-promotion at the end? Uh, thank you, Tom. That's very kind of you to, to offer. <laughs> uh, oh, you have to ask. I'm too shy. Now, uh, I am still doing transformation uh, every week. I've just done issue 300, which has the first ever fight between Getaway and Cyclonus. Uh, so you know, go read about that. So find out whose side you're on there. And I've also just announced that Transformation, because I, I announce it like I have a proper PR person, an agency and stuff, uh, that uh, Transformation will be carrying on past the end of Marvel to cover as many of the British Transformers comics since then as people will be actually interested in reading about. So I don't know when that cut-off point will be. It could go right up to this week, theoretically. Uh, but it, we go on at least another couple of years. Dear God. <laughs> and uh, f- find me on Twitter as uh, at Inflatable Dalek. And uh, go watch Blake Seven, Battlestar Galactica, Star Trek V, and A View to a Kill as some homework. <laughs> <laughs> There'll be a quiz. And Marion, what would you like to tell the people out there? Well, I'm going to first of all tell the people that Podcast Maximus can be found at the TF Archive website where you can come to the forums and talk about the podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Podcast Maximus. You can find us on Facebook at Podcast Maximus. And we would really welcome your feedback and we would also welcome your ratings on iTunes. So if you do enjoy the podcast, please go give us a five-star review. It will really help us out in with visibility and all that um, good stuff Um, and uh, we welcome all and any feedback as for myself this year I am doing uh, a few charity challenges so one of the challenges that I will be doing uh, will be some kind of print sale Uh, so one of the things I'm pondering doing uh, is some of my Transformers pictures if there's any of my work that you like and would like to see it in either some kind of print, I don't know, maybe a calendar, a greeting card or anything like that, um, come and drop me a line on Twitter and let me know what that is. Is, uh, is your Just Giving page for your Dryathon still open or is that, uh, have you closed that up there? So the uh, yes, the first uh, sort of uh, challenge that I did this year was Dry January. I have done it. It is done now. There is a Just Giving page still uh, about my Dry January where you can donate to York Mind. Come over to my Twitter, which is at Morta, that's double M-O-R-T-A-H. Uh, and there are details there about how you can donate. Or you can just drop me a message um, and uh, I can send you a link. Uh, Marion is the most sober person on this podcast now. So I think you should all give us some, <laughs> some recognition for that. And like Tom, who's now the most drunk person, he's necking back for white lightning. I it's sat true, on a bench. I'm, straining, I'm straining methylated spirits through a loaf of bread. Um, so Tom, I, yeah, tell us about you. <laughs> I, Tom and Ellie, I have um, uh, an audio drama uh, called The Saga of the European King that you can find on iTunes and SoundCloud and other podcatching places um we're just wrapping up the second season right now and um we'll be launching season three very very shortly uh in about a month or so um otherwise in the meantime i made a uh, a text adventure game about a young chewbacca that you can play and delight in uh it's kind of a magnum opus um it's called uh how did chewbacca get his wookie bowcaster and I encourage you to play it and keep playing it until you're able to meet Han Solo because uh, this will be so much better than that abomination of a film that's stolen all my ideas and I don't, probably in that film you won't even find out how Chewbacca got his Wookiee Bowcaster so go look I, for, I was going to say uh, which Han Solo are you meeting the Harrison Ford version or the version that's not Donald Glover the only thing people care about from that trailer the real Han Solo the real one in the hearts and minds of children everywhere. So go look for how did Chewbacca get his Wookiee bowcaster? It's on uh, itch.io. It's on Philo me. Uh, you can find it on various subreddits about text adventures, but search for that term and you'll find it. And that is podcast Maximus on the mutineers trilogy. Thank you very much for listening. Please do. Look us up on iTunes, give us ratings, give us reviews, encourage us, encourage us to do more 
Especially the episode that I did by myself, say how good that one was. Yeah, that one was particularly good, wasn't it? Prince Tom and Marion mean to keep from key. That's that's the, the podcasting mantra. That was that was five stars. Everything else four. <laughs> and tell us who you want us to replace Shirt with for our next episode. Yes, please. We're, we've got it up on the whiteboard. Until next time. Farewell. Bye bye. Goodbye. Bye bye.